0: Hello, and welcome to CINITY's first ever global virtual summit. A summit is by definition a forum for us to convene in order to dialogue and share regarding a common cause. For this summit, we have brought together industry leaders, experts, and practitioners to discuss the role of data in the context of business, hence our theme, where business and data converge. I am Leonard McGanzer, Chief Customer Officer at CINITY. At CINITY, we solve complex data challenges in order to keep supply chains running, improve cash liquidity or margins, meet compliance demands, and more. We are pleased to showcase a group of industry and business leaders from Unilever, SAP, Sensing, and some of our own Synity experts to share and exchange their insights on data transformations, CDO perspectives, context computing, data management, why purpose matters, and even roundtables where you can help set the agenda.
1: Our last session for the day is a live moderated session with some of our experts around the world from the US, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand and Singapore. All of our panelists are practicing data experts and consultants and have extensive hands-on experience in businesses and public organizations through their digital business transformation where business and data converge, the theme for our virtual summit. Their expertise span across industries including, but not limited, to manufacturing and distribution, life sciences, regulated industries, retail, and a wide spectrum of business outcomes, navigating business processes such as supply chain, procure to pay, order to cash, HCM, PLM, and others. Be sure to use the chat feature on the bottom of your screen to submit your questions and exchange ideas and insights. Enjoy your interactive session. And thank you once again for joining our virtual summit.
2: Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Nate LaFerro. I'm based in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I've been with Synity for about nine years now, most of them as a consultant leading some of our largest engagements. I have the privilege of supporting more than 600 consultants through our global consulting talent organization here at Sanity. And I'm excited to introduce you to three of these folks. Hey, everybody. Uh, because you're all friends, I want Um, to uh, start us off with a little bit of a curveball, And so before we went live, I let you guys know that I would ask you to give me a quick introduction and tell me a little bit about your background. What I didn't tell you is that I'm also going to ask you to share your most embarrassing quarantine adaptation that you've had to make over the past few weeks. So uh, just to make this fair, I'm going to start. I'm both proud and very, very, very not proud of the fact that I've been able to teach uh, our uh, four-month-old son to hold his own bottle so he can feed himself now. (laughs) So on that note, um, let's start with Alyssa Sliney. She's a delivery partner and our global MDM practice lead at Synity, and she's entering her 15th year with the company. Um, she's been really instrumental in growing our data governance offerings, and she is coming to us live from Massachusetts. So, Alyssa, could you tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: Sure. Thanks, Nate. Um, so I started my synity career in migration, um, but I found myself really drawn to the uh, more solutioning side when it came to the migration. So I transitioned to uh, the governance practice probably about six years ago. And so since that time, I've spent most of my time either – actually implementing for clients or part of the sales cycle really doing some you know design work and advice uh to help our clients find the right solution. Um as far as my most embarrassing modification, I'd probably say my uh day-to-day hairdos, right? So I'm not on video too often. Today I've, you know, washed it, blow-dried it uh more often than not than a top knot on the top of my head.
2: Nice. Uh, so, next up, we've got Katie Scherer. She's a managing consultant and she is an engagement leader for our company. Um, she's been with us for about 10 years now and she's our resident Globetrotter. So, she's lived and led projects in South Africa and Singapore, uh, Great Britain and Switzerland. And she is now coming to us live from San Diego. Katie, say hi. <laughs>
4: hi. Um, I started my career uh, in data actually in 2007, but joined Siniti about 10 years ago. Um, I mostly focus on migration. Uh, I've had the pleasure of working with both Pedro and Alyssa in the past, which has been great. Um, uh, I focus uh, on those global system consolidations and mostly in finance, um, which is great because almost every company has finance. Um, So my most embarrassing adaptation, um, I lived on a boat until just before quarantine and now I live in a house. So I, I my whole life has changed. <laughs> so um I think uh just having a whole big kitchen and I've been baking a lot, which is dangerous. So I'm much more domesticated than I used to be.
2: <laughs> I've actually started baking too, I'm kind of embarrassed to say. <laughs> uh- So, uh, and then finally, we've got the one and only uh, Pedro Cardoso. Uh, He's a delivery partner who's been with us for 11 years. you guys might be noticing a little bit of a trend. Uh, And he's led some of our largest Canadian engagements. He's an expert in the automotive and retail industries. And Pedro in Toronto, you're up.
5: Thank you, Nate, and team. So, um, like men, you've had a long career in IT. I've I've held many roles. I, I came out of university with electrical engineering I'm um, in software engineering background, which I think made me hardwired for data from early on. Um, learning how to spell SAP in 1999, and you can check the bio. I did start when I was 10, um, and you know, from that perspective, you know, held many roles. Again, you know, everything from you know BI to ERP implementations to business process reengineering, um, AS400 operator. You pretty much you know the whole gambit. And I began to realize that you know data issues that were coming up and up, were really more business process issues and more people issues. And you know that's really what drew me to Synergy when I joined, is you know, Synergy had, and we have a, a tagline that you know the business owns the data. And uh, that's where I've been for the last 11 years, as Nate says, and I'm excited to be here today talking to you guys about our favorite topic, data. Oh, and Thanks, my hey. most embarrassing moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, will so, the hair thing, so I have here my engineering hat so I, I do don this frequently when I'm having a early meeting and I haven't had a chance to do the hair thing. So that is for me.
3: Michael Might have to take a tip, Pedro. Get a hat, <laughs> That's what me. you're telling me.
2: Nice. So, um, you know, before we get started, just a quick programming note for the audience. This session is uh, 100% live. So we are here to meet you and answer your questions. So please make generous use of the Q&A box below. Um, I'll be asking your questions to our experts. So go ahead and pick their brains and uh, start submitting your questions now. Um, and we'll, we'll get to them over the course of the session. So um, I'll just kind of jumpstart a little bit. Um, we, the four of us, have been friends and colleagues for a long time. I think you know uh, we've combined got more than 40 years of combined experience just at Synity alone, not counting other consulting background. Um, and you know, millions of miles traveled across the globe and, until March. So, um, you, um, you know, you might notice a kind of experience, right? And we do firmly believe that experience matters here at Synity. And, and these are, uh, just three of over 100 consultants at Synity that have actually been with the company for more than a decade. So we're really proud of the experience that we bring every day. So, um, what. What I wanted to kind of start with, uh, and just kind of pick your brains on, is really the the notion of change over that decade uh, that uh, we've we've just lived through. Um, you know, what I think about when I joined Synadia, uh, then back office in 2011. It was really not that hard to unearth wow. unknown or surprising data issues that were having a, a massive business impact, and we spent a lot of time surprising our customers with. Um, you know, big issues and then helping guide them through the solution and and optimizing their business's result. What what I've personally noticed is, you know, as the years have gone on, data literacy has increased so much, right? Our customers uh, and our clients and our partners really understand their data in a way that they never have before. Um, So they really, they're tuned into the hotspots. They know what their issues are. Um, They don't need any less help solving them. But I've just I've noticed that it's much less of a fishing expedition than it used to be, and we're much more targeted and surgical because we're able to partner with the business and some of the, the pain points that they already know they have. So uh, I'm curious what you guys think has changed most working in you know in data over the past decade. So um, just open it up. Maybe Pedro, you want to start us off?
5: Uh, sure. For me, Matt, uh, Nate, it's a real dichotomy, right? I think you know thinking back, um, I could say that you know most profound thing for me is that you know everything's changed and nothing's changed. I mean on the on the technology side you can look up and down the stack and we've got you know the most amazing tools, technology and enablements that you know uh, you know wasn't existing you know 20 years ago and even 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 10 years ago. Um but I think fundamentally from a data perspective, you know things haven't changed for many. I mean I, I remember back when I was working in BI in the you know the 2000s and you know Complaining about, you know, what are those ERP people do? And you know, I'm trying to build good reports in my team, but the data is not right. We can't build good reports. You know, what's wrong with the data? You know, hearing users asking for better data, better information, and the promise for for one source of truth. So I think, you know, I think you know a lot of those challenges still exist today. And I think, you know, uh, you know we're better prepared now. I think though to to handle that than we we ever were. I, I think on the other side, I think there's a huge difference now with respect to um, awareness about data. You know, thinking to this, you know, the COVID-19 global, you know, um, challenge we find all, all, all of us in, you know, data is is top of mind. And, you know, from a data perspective, you know, everyone's looking at, you know, um, you know what the data tells us in terms of how we move the new normal, um, how we, um, you know, look at the number of You know, tests being performed, number of you know positives, number of kind of recovered. I think the the understanding of the importance of data today has changed, and uh, I think that kind of helps. You know, certainly us as practitioners, you know, kind of start that conversation off.
4: Um, Yeah. So for me, go ahead, Katie. Sorry. Um, I think uh, looking back over my career in two thousand and seven, when I started almost no one had any idea what I did, um, and it was difficult to talk to people. And now everyone I meet or talk to, not even just through business interactions, but generally, um, has some story to tell me about their experience. And I think that's very telling. Um, it just changes the starting point of the conversation. Um, that's you know, my experience.
3: Yeah, I think, uh, especially in governance, we spend a lot of time previously doing a lot of education to get to a starting point now what we're finding is there's so many definitions of governance we're actually having to just bring everyone into alignment so still an important starting conversation but it's just shifted a little bit um and then from an implementation perspective uh i think we've seen a big move away from single instance right when we started everyone was trying to get into a single place with their data and now i mean not only do we have the bolt-ons of you know salesforce plm hcm but we also are just seeing a move away from driving towards a single erp um, so that's just introducing complexity in, in other, uh, you know, management pieces. You know, business glossary, uh, understanding your lineage um, that we have to accommodate for, and make sure that's part of our strategy.
2: Definitely, and, and Pedro, I know you mentioned COVID, and I know that's something that's probably at the top of mind for uh, our our audience. I know it's top of mind for me. Uh, have have you seen some you know, changes in the implementation strategies and projects uh, since the, the crisis hit in the past couple of months? Or how have, how have our clients been reacting?
5: Yeah, Nathan, it's a great question. I think from a from a project perspective, I think for those of us who are used to using you know some of the collaboration tools we're using right now, um, you know, not a lot has changed. But it's been amazing to see. I think the entire world sort of move at warp speed to really adopt. Um, a lot of this uh, collaboration technology that you know, we had already available, but you know, we're kind of moving a bit, a bit slower. Um, I think the, the broader implication of that is I think we are shifting from what today is, I think a short-term response to COVID, but probably a long-term pattern that's gonna stay with us in terms of you know, how we work and, and, and collaborate together. I think for projects specifically, um, I, think it's a, I think it's actually a great opportunity. What I'm seeing on projects is, and I don't know if it's because of people having to adopt to the change that the COVID situation is, is is putting us all in, you know, everyone kind of working from home and adjusting to this new normal. But I find that you know, from a change management perspective on projects that I'm on, um, you know, things that we used spend a lot of time on around stakeholder management, getting people to make decisions, and and be willing to change, and we know you know data is a lot about change management, as well. I think I think it's an opportunity for a lot of companies to really seize you know this new um, this new normal, and the attitude that I think people are more open to change now, um, which I think for for data in particular is 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 um, exciting, um, and and maybe an opportunity to leapfrog in competition for those companies that can really you know seize this time, and this phenomenon to their you know to to some advantage.
3: So one thing I'm seeing is uh, even a larger emphasis on ROI for efforts, right? And so starting with the end in mind is even more crucial now than it ever was before, right? You've got tons of budget pressure. Um, we're seeing you know, some companies go down to uh, maybe a four-day work week, and so your time is physically becoming compressed. And so any initiative you're going to take on or continue needs to have maximum uh, return on investment.
2: Yeah, so I think Alyssa I'll actually stay with you on that one. I know, the as you mentioned, governance becomes so much more important, and I think especially as we look at, um, you know, potentially disparate processes remaining in disparate systems, probably continuing as a trend in the short term as capital expenditures get deferred and things like that. Um, you know, data governance isn't a new concept or a new uh, initiative, and I think a lot of companies have have made fits and starts in this direction, but maybe haven't. Gotten the momentum, and that they would have liked to, and I, I think those conversations are probably coming up um, all over again. And so, what are, I'm just curious what your what your thoughts are on that, and, and how to really start off on the right foot there.
3: Sure. So, one thing actually, it's been pretty interesting uh, working with healthcare industries. There's actually a pretty strong emphasis right now on the business glossary, so they they're taking many of the reports they already needed to satisfy HIPAA. Um, and other requirements that they've got, but they're now putting emphasis on the business glossary to get the most value out of those reports, um, which is actually something I was surprised at, right? So that tends to be the thing that's a little bit harder to get business buy-in on buy in on. And so they're actually double, doubling down on that because that gets the most value out of things uh, and assets that they've already got. Interesting. Uh, from a manufacturing perspective, I think there's a lot of emphasis on business process improvement, right? cost of goods sold, inventory management. They're just trying to optimize as much as they can. Um, So it's not necessarily new initiatives, I would say, but it's uh, emphasizing and tightening up of the processes that they've already got.
2: Interesting. And and Katie, I know you spent a lot of time in, uh, in industries where it's maybe a little bit less manufacturing centric. And I know some of the challenges can be a little bit different when you're not um by buying, buying things to make things to sell them I'm, I'm curious kind of what your what your experience has been there or what you think some of the challenges might be for the uh you know financial industries and others that might be more intangibly based
4: um right obviously right now um the financial industries and uh insurance industries are it's obviously an unprecedented time for everyone um from my personal experience uh with our project I'm working on um, it's a well established project. Um, we already were working remotely most of the time across the globe, so we haven't seen too much of an impact. Um, we're really in a very reusable repeatable process um, that's been established, and so we haven't had too many um, challenges there. I think the um, you know, reporting and all of the finan- the the need for reporting um, and just access to the data real time um, is always important and I think that that will come out as as um, you know, one of the key takeaways is that you know the ability to report real time is is critical, um, regardless of how much data you have.
2: And, and when we when we think about working in in you know finance and insurance and things like that, um, you know what are some of the the specific data areas? Um, you know, is it things like? You know, reconciliation or, or volumes that, that drive the conversation? What What is really the, the big governance driver in, in those industries in your experience?
4: Um, right. So uh, from an insurance perspective, reconciliation is um, a huge uh, process. Um, insurance companies tend to have a significant amount of customization um, due to their actuarial calculations. And every company has, from the beginning of their company, they have their own Uh, deeply embedded customized calculations for for their way they define risk. Um, And that's how all the premiums are calculated. And so having the ability to um, define what information they need in order to make those actuarial calculations is critical for it to be correct, uh, for them to assess the risk properly and consistently. Um, So seeing those uh, seeing that type of uh, information and and really make the reconciliation is a huge part of, of that.
1: So yeah, one thing I should have mentioned,
3: Nate. Go ahead. Sorry, Pedro. Go ahead. Uh, one thing ahead. I should have mentioned on the healthcare side: the the other challenge I think they're seeing there, and and I think it's similar to finance, is the data volume, right? The transactional volume, the amount of history that they've got. Uh, when I did a reinsurance program uh, project, they had I think they had close to a hundred years of. Uh, of history in some cases yeah. um yeah. the ability to get your hands on that data right so whether that's change data capture whether that's you know using data like you you need to physically get your hands around that data but that kind of volume it can be very uh very tricky right.
5: i think it's building on you know what you just said Al, you know, Alyssa as well as, as katie you know amidst all those challenges right i think you know there's also the ruthless pursuit i mean certainly in automotive and in retail where i tend to spend a lot of my time Um, the last few years is standardization. You know, we heard Rahul earlier kind of in the summit talk about you know the importance of standardization. Uh, everyone's looking at, you know, think about customer, think about customer experience. People are looking really to to unify, regardless whether they're on one system or many systems, as Alyssa mentioned, you know, it's the you know, there's a myth the, the myth of you're gonna move to one ERP is no longer the case. You know, SAP's done a fantastic job of digital core. But they have also made it interoperable with many other systems. So, you know, just getting that view and and how to get that consistent view of, you know, whether it's a customer, whether it's a vehicle, whether it's a, you know, relationship across the entire kind of you know, life cycle, of the, the relationship they have with the customers is you know something that's really dominating at least a lot of conversations I'm having.
2: Yeah, and so Peter, I, I know you you do actually spend a lot of time um, with the the C suites, uh, in particular, CIOs, talking about data quality and how you know those outcomes are uniquely tied back to data. And, and what do you find is top of mind for those folks? Um, you know, what is what is the most impactful uh, steps that they're taking or, or counseling us on?
5: It's a great question, Nate. I, I think if I could, you know, pick just one thing, is we're talking a lot more about. You know really how to manage the organizational um, knowledge around data. I think you know a lot of CIOs, a lot of companies, they've spent you know enormous amounts of money um, on data related initiatives. Um, but they've often found they've done that you know, maybe more in silos, maybe more you know aligned with specific projects, and now they're looking to see what can they do more holistically to make sure that you know, data is managed consistently. Regardless of you know application or process area, or you know Sam, Bill, Tom, or Jerry, who've been with the company for 30 years and just just know how to do things, right? So, you know, getting that tribal knowledge out and and you know really having a lot of discussions about you know how we, you know, you at Cine, we we talk about that lifecycle data and harnessing that information. So, you really about how to make sure that you know that knowledge that's being you know being collected, being created, is is available for all the other initiatives as well. Because you know, again, you fix something around data, you know, uh, in one area, it's going to pay dividends everywhere else, right? So, you know, for me, that's one of the biggest conversations we're having is is how to actually take more of a knowledge and holistic approach to uh, to data.
2: Yeah, I think Alyssa, that's probably something that that comes up quite a bit on the governance space, especially when we're when we're. Kind of helping with that transition from a migration to governance um and, and really how 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 to emphasize that um that tribal knowledge and reuse and and basically establishing those business rules as assets
3: yeah so really any any time you're working with data if, if you should be thinking about that as an asset producing effort now migration is the best example of that right so you've got Mappings, you've got the tribal knowledge, you've got the load programs, right? All of those really need to come out of those programs. Uh, what I, I still am continuing to see today is there's not really that transition plan, right? If you don't start that way, the project, right, you need to have additional, you know, let's call it a week to do, you know, readouts and movement of that knowledge into wherever you want to take that to the next level with governance. Um, that really needs to be part of the plan from the start. Um, but that 's really true for any data initiative, right not just a uh, migration makes sense
2: yeah and I, I think what i'm what I'm hearing from you guys and and certainly mirrors my experience as well is it is the notion that you know data is not a, even when we 're talking about the world of s a p it, it is not plug and play right this is not something where oh, a vendor is a vendor is a vendor, an employee is an employee is an employee there's real industry specific um you know challenges and it really takes an understanding of that data to to move the needle and, and, and make sure that you know we've made that transition from being technically ready or um or just meeting a requirement to actually being yeah. right and something we can execute a business process on I, I think that's something that that i think about a lot when we're um when we're at our customers it's it's about getting to know them right and i think um you know that that important step of understanding your client and your and their business processes and their business challenges are are tricky. Um, you know, I'm I'm curious. Maybe Katie, if you want to start me off. Um, you know, what do you think is the? And this is a, a question from the audience. What is the most important skill uh, when you've identified when getting to know your customer? Like, what is the um, What is the secret sauce for for establishing that relationship and and really getting down to the root of of what they do and how they do it?
4: Um, You know, I think uh, the best thing I've found is is helping them to identify their true underlying problems. Um, Sometimes you'll see the outcomes of several underlying issues that they're having, um, and just because they see one problem doesn't mean if you fix that, you're just going to see something else. Um, So true problem-solving and troubleshooting um, and getting down to the details um, which help you understand their business better um, and asking lots of questions and uh, allowing them to provide feedback and and listening to um, their true pain points, um, those have all been uh, my approach to to getting to know my customers um, and to better helping them. I love problem solving, and I love coming up with creative and uh, creative solutions, um, especially repeatable ones. I will talk about reusability and repeatability all day long, um, and so I think that's just showing them the best way forward um, has been uh, what I've done. Yeah,
3: so I think the listening keyword that you just mentioned at the end there—I think that's critical. I, I think too often when somebody thinks they know the solution, right, they'll. Start with that, and then back the problem into it. Um, when you hear one problem, often there's multiple root causes. That's going to lead to a chain of other problems. I think listening is probably the most critical skill that you've got there.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I think when when I go in, I, I really look at you know two different kind of you know key points, and you know, one of the things that I often talk about is you know we got to get rid of the smoke before we see the fire. And you know finding that you know understanding that you know first of all, there is no such thing as bad data, right there's somewhere there's you know you know data bad data isn't born you know you got you know data is is you know through management of business process through you know how it's how it's curated, how it's created, how it's updated within the business process that's where the problem is so you know really understanding you know at a business process level, what is not working, right? what are those business outcomes, those business challenges? that are driving the conversation, because nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know, i got to go clean me some data, All right, That's not, you know, that, that doesn't work, right? There's gotta be a reason why. Um, and then, you know, the flip side is, once you've got that clarity of what's actually going wrong in the business, in, you know, in, a, in the day-to-day operations, um, what's the outcome they're not reaching, then it's, you know, finding those point of lights in your organization, the people who know the data, you know, allow you to actually get access to that data. And then we have another saying at Synity, you know, let the data do the talking, right? Let's actually figure out what's actually wrong in the data that's not enabling, you know, the process. And then let's focus on that, right? Let's not boil the ocean. Let's actually deliver some value. And and to me, it's, it's those two perspectives, right? Starting with the business process, drilling in, and then coming in from the data side and figuring out, okay, where is, you know, the actual issue?
2: Yeah, i think that's exactly right pedro i um i'm reminded of an example actually at a um one of our customers that was doing an hr migration and uh it was something really simple it was uh, work schedules. so what days a week and what hours do you work and you know the requirement basically is take the work schedules in the old system and move them to the new one right um not rocket science it's pretty easy to follow that requirement but when we did as you say, Pedro, and we let the data speak for itself, you know, we saw some really weird anomalies. And what it it turns out um was happening was every different part-time person had a you know a slightly different schedule and had a different configuration element. So that drop down box, when you went to hire someone, quickly became like a hundred different options. And what happens when you get a drop down box with a hundred different options and you've got a stack of did employees to enter? <laughs> you certainly do not spend your time trying to find exactly the right one. You just create a new one, right? And mm-hmm. so once they hit that tipping point of like a hundred different options, it ballooned within the course of like a month or two to eight hundred, and so they had a massive deduplication effort on their hands they didn't even know about just because of the the people side of it, right? And I think that's um, you know such a, an important point that, that you made there, Pedro, about you know data is is. A neutral party, right? Data is a symptom of you know people and process challenges. Yeah.
5: Yeah, I love I love that story, Nate. i, I have a story also from you know there was uh, you know English we did you know in the in the food sector um, and and grocery and you know it was interesting because you know couldn't figure out why you know from an assortment perspective. Um, you know it's not that the data was wrong in 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 the system in this case it was sap it's just that you know the data wasn't always right when they went and looked so i mean you know kind of peeling back the onion on that one you know ended up being a situation where you know there was a process that wasn't being fully enabled through data um, within in this case sap um but what you know some very smart you know people had done was they had figured out how to pull all the data needed out of SAP and other systems. They had built this uh, I think it was actually you know, you know, Bill's assortment spreadsheet was the name of it. And they were they were actually building everything in Excel offline. And then you know on the Thursday every week they were uploading that into SAP in order to you know get the assortment right. So unbeknownst to them that was causing a lot of downstream challenges around kind of you know just forecasting and planning and planogram. So you know it was a really easy problem to fix, right? It was about making sure that we were able to, you know, bring the data they needed into their business process as part of what they were doing. In the case of SAP, to make that spreadsheet go away. But you know, until you drill down and, and understand that, um, you're going to spin your wheels, you know, really looking um, in the wrong place.
2: Definitely. So I'm I'm curious. What, what makes this hard, guys? Why is data so hard? <laughs>
3: Don't so I think life. Jeff I think Jeff uh spoke to it pretty well earlier, right? The idea that it's contextual. Um I think he used a good example earlier, right? A vendor is not the same across all, you know, companies. Vendor's not even the same within a company, right? So how the finance department talks about a vendor and how procurement talks about a vendor are could be two totally different things. Um, so you're right. Data is a symptom of of other things, right? the people that are involved, in the process uh, that surrounds it, and without all three of those components, right, making sense of it all, uh, you know, it's just not going to work.
5: I think the other thing on white data is, you know, I think sometimes hard is, I mean, you know, speaking from experience, I think you know a lot of the data practitioners out there. You know, you don't go to university with and, and come out with a degree in you know data management, or maybe you do today, but certainly not kind of you know in my day. Um, and I think there's there's a lot of um, I'd say accidental data practitioners out there who've kind of fallen into the role. I mean, you know, every company I walk into, every conversation, not every project I'm on, there's always that one person that says. I'm in charge of data, but I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, I was given this role because, you know, I'm good with data, I've been here for, for 20 years, um, I collaborate well across process areas, and and, and I'm great in Excel, All right, So, I mean, I think we, we and, and a lot of those folks end up being in IT. So, I, I, I think the, um, why data is so hard, I, you know, certainly, you know, not putting words in, you know, in, in Katie and, and Alyssa's mouth, but I think, you know, as an organization, we don't believe data is hard. We believe data is actually easy, right? It's really the people and process side that we focus on, um, because you know the data well, again you know tends to take care of itself once we know what uh, what needs to be done. It's it's really not that hard. Of course, you know when you're out, you know you've got your day job. Um, data is not all you do. Um, at Synity, data is really all we do. But I like to say you know data isn't what we do. It's actually you know who we are and what we are because it's it's how we do it. So I, th- I think that's part of the challenge, and I think as practitioners out there, we need to do a good job educating, you know, within organizations across, you know, within an organization, you know, the importance of, you know, not just assuming that IT or individual, you know, um, can make those decisions and know what that needs to be done. It's really about that partnership with, you know, we'll, we'll say data experts, even though I don't like the expert word, but you know, the folks who understand, you know, what it's going to take holistically. To uh, to solve those data problems, and I think that's part of what makes data hard. You know, we start we try to put IT solutions and tools in place, when really it's it's not just about the tool. Because um, I've been in organizations, I can tell you they have every tool out there, um, but they still have a problem.
2: Right? Yeah, I, actually, yeah, I, 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 go ahead, Katie. Sorry.
4: Oh, I, was gonna say, I agree with Pedro. Um, you know, to us, uh, where we live and breathe data every day, data isn't actually, we don't see it as being that hard. I see it as being an opportunity and a challenge. Um, one of the things when I go into a new client, I like to say, I'm here to help. I'm here to make this easier. Um, it's a skill that we've acquired and and it's working with IT, working with the business, being that translator for, you know, understanding what IT needs and understanding what the business needs. Um, so that's what, I think um, is one of my favorite parts about my job is, is making someone else's life easier because it is overwhelming um, and it is challenging. Um, but we are here to make it easier, and and that's why I enjoy, um, you know, the problem-solving sessions with the business.
2: So what do you think are the biggest challenges or – I don't want to use the word mistake, but um, missteps maybe that um, that companies – run into as they start a data initiative and as we, as we help? like What are the common the pitfalls there?
4: Something Katie. I see almost every time um, almost every time I start a migration project, um, someone comes to me and says, well, the data the, data in the system is not good. Um, we can't use it. And I, I typically ask, I say, do you run the business on that data today? And I've never gotten a no on that question. And so I think it's, uh, you know, and that's where we have to start. We have to start with what they're using. What are they running the business on today? Um, They need to leverage what they have um, and not try to rebuild or restart because they'll just be stepping over themselves. Um, And it's to grow and nurture that data that they have before, um, you know, don't just throw it away. There's always value. And back to Pedro's statement there is no bad data.
3: So from a governance perspective, I think siloing the IT and business sides, and I think I've seen that in migration as well, right? The idea that IT will get the data most of the way there, and then the business just shows up at the end and validates it. Um, if you know if, When you take that approach, guarantee you the business is going to come in and they're going to validate it and say this is all bad, right? So no bad data, but how you got there from end to end, the processes that created it beforehand, Right now, the business is seeing it in light of their new system, you know, wherever it's going. Um, if you keep those two things separate, you're never going to get the results that you really need uh, to operate as a business. And, and it carries over to governance, right? If you design tools to manage your data that don't involve how the business really uses that data, those tools are just not going to be successful.
2: Yeah, I, I think of um, our, our chief customer officer, Leonard, has, a, um, you know, one of his many repeated phrases is, is this notion that, you know when you treat data as an IT problem, you can write a spec and code to the spec and code it perfectly and still code it perfectly wrong. right? And I think that's the, um, the pitfall that I, that I see a lot, right? is you can say that do, everyone's name should be Mickey Mouse in the spec and we write that code and it'll load perfectly and be technically perfect you cannot run your business on that, right? And to your point, Alyssa, it's about, you know, what does the new system actually gonna need um, to drive real business ready data? Um, And how do you get from that step of meeting requirements to being actually business ready that I think is is challenging? I I think, you know, you you made a good point um, that uh, about the, you know, IT handing off data to to the business, and it's interesting because I think, you know, when customers bring us in, a lot of times it's the business that brings us in um, as data experts. And um, I'm curious, um, and this is a this is a jump ball to any of you guys. Actually, uh, you know, with data is considered technical. Why is it the business that calls us? Do you think?
5: Well, I can jump in on on this one and take a first stab at it. I, I think you know, Alyssa made a point earlier as well that. You know, I think you know a big mistake that a lot of companies make is they do treat their um, IT and data, well, they treat their data projects as IT projects, and they also tend to time box their data activities as if you know data is something I need to do now, in order to go live. And and you know, the the irony is, you know, that's not true. It's you know, data is actually something you need to do every day, and it's not just to go live. It's to make sure you've got that right behavior uh, within your organization so that after you go live, you know, you're still going to be okay, right? It's it's like, you know, if you just went on a diet every time, you know, you hit a certain, you know, number on the scale, you know, that doesn't work, right? You got to, you know, figure out what is that kind of lifestyle change that's going to make sure you can maintain that, that ideal um, kind of weight that that you want. So um, I think, Nate, to kind of your your specific question, um, I think it's, it's really about um, making sure that when we look at um, – The projects across um, a company spectrum that you know we're not just focusing on you know the project itself and what the outcome is. It's what do we need to do around data to make sure they're sustainable.
3: Yeah, careful with that uh, weight metaphor there, Pedro, in COVID nineteen.
5: I know. (laughs) I know. Uh. Nate, I think there was another point you were trying to make on that, right, which I probably didn't nail. Yeah.
2: Uh, oh, uh-oh, I think Pedro froze.
4: I think one of, uh-oh. I think one of the other points um, along those lines about why does the business bring us in when it's a lot of times it's an IT problem is that the business feels the pain on a day to day basis um, run their processes properly because they're missing things and and they're asking IT but it doesn't hurt IT they just it's a ticket um, and it's in a list of things to do whereas someone can't do their job um, and so that I think that's one of the reasons why and it goes back to kind of what I was saying about um, you know coming in to make the job easier being able to bridge that gap between IT and business to um, understand processes um, one client I, I worked with briefly um, that had a great way of, of helping to bridge that gap was they would send their IT out into the field to work with the people and the business processes. And they had some of the best knowledge of how the business ran in the IT world. Like their IT had a great experience with the actual business processes. and It was very helpful. Um, so that was one, one great experience that I had. Nice.
5: I also think IT tends to you know, build, come up with solutions that are really you know, tool focused. So, you know, I think the business also gets frustrated when you know, going back to the metaphor earlier, when you know, if if you just put a cleansing tool in front of the business, say you need to clean your data, the question is, well, why and and what's it going to do for me, right? So, I think you know, recognizing that from a business process perspective, I think the business often reaches out because they don't really care about keeping the data clean; they care about reaching those outcomes that you know Katie just mentioned, right? So, I think pivoting the conversation to you know, that outcome-driven approach is really how you get the business engaged. The business wants to be engaged and, and traditional IT approaches just typically don't achieve that.
2: I think it's a great point, Pedro. So, um, you know, I, I, this has been a really great conversation. I want to kind of go to one last round robin before we wrap and just kind of get um, get that nugget from me. What is the, um, you know, what is a piece of advice that, that you would share with, uh, somebody that's about to embark on a major data initiative, um, you know, Alyssa. Maybe you want to start us off. Just what's your, what's your takeaway?
3: Sure. So, uh, data governance at this point, right? It's a box everyone knows that we should be checking, right? I think there's a thought, a lot of thought pieces around it. There's a lot of research around it. Um, but what I find a lot of companies struggle with is the ability to get started, right? So when you we're talking about data strategy, when we're talking about you know information governance, it's a mountain, right in if you don't t- kind of take that into pieces and really focus on the outcome of what you're trying to achieve I think you're going to struggle to get started right so t- break it up into smaller parts address procurement address cost of goods sold right break those in- down to even to smaller parts and start to work towards those business problems you'll get better business buy-in you'll get you know more realistic budget approval um, and that helps you work towards those larger goals you know yes eventually you do need a data strategy to get the most value out of all of your data efforts, but it's not where you need to start, um, you know, to get a little bit of momentum.
0: Katie,
4: um, I uh, well, this is great. Uh, um, I also think, uh, from a migration perspective, you know, embarking on a major or even minor uh, data migration or any data effort is, is daunting. Um, you have so much that you have to tackle. Um, I think one of the best pieces of advice is to, to figure out what can be reusable and what can be repeatable. Um, and if you're trying to tackle a global project, um, yes, all of the regions, all of the countries are special, but there is overlap. They're all going through the same process and making sure to be able to leverage what you've done in previous waves or, or in different areas um, and use that again and not lose that knowledge. So having you know higher level uh, overview of all the things that are going on um, I think it's it's very valuable. Um, if it's done right, once the migration is complete, you can leverage all of that for governance. I think Alyssa would like that. That's right. Good plug. Yeah.
5: <laughs> I'd say that you know, thinking about this this uh, you know this virtual summit we're putting on, and sort of the theme of you know where business and, and data converge, I think I think we just need to. I think every CIO and senior VP, uh, you know, everybody out there wants to have wants to be beta driven. They want to be data driven. They want to have you know the right data, but I think we need to just stop talking about data. I think as data practitioners, we tend to lead with the D word, and I think there's one thing I'd, I'd like to you know call out to all the data practitioners out there: is we need to stop leading with data, right? We need to stop talking about data. We need to talk about you know business outcomes. You know, Maria Villar, if you haven't watched Maria's kind of YouTube um, you know series on you know kind of out. That it's it's awesome content. Um, I think we need to really understand that you know data is a means to an end, and we can't have the tail wag the dog, right? So I think less data, more business outcomes, um, really is where the conversation is.
2: Thanks, Pedro, and and thanks to all of you. I, I, I think that's that's going to be a wrap for our experts. I wanted to thank you all for your insights and your willingness to share them with our audience. I am. Sure, I'll be talking with you guys soon. Um, to our audience, I hope you found the whole virtual summit to be worthwhile. And on behalf of our experts, we're so proud to have been a part of it. So stay safe, be well, and take good care of your day, everybody.
3: Thanks, Nate. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks,
1: Thank you. Bye. My name's Ellie Sordi, and it's been an honor being your concierge for vicinity's Virtual Summit Unlocked. Thank you again for your participation and for sharing the virtual summit. In case you've missed or would like to revisit any sessions, they are now available on demand. Please do share the Virtual Summit and its content with your friends and colleagues by sharing the Virtual Summit URL.